right up. Come on. Come on. What do you deserve? Only a quarter to play, and everyone is a winner. No one walks away without the answer to the question. Thanks. Give it up one second for our sound crew, huh? Those guys make amazing things happen with those of us that don't. But I want to tell you the story in this first part about two, uh, two thieves, two different stories about two different thieves. But what I want to do over the next couple weeks is, and I, I pray that you won't miss uh, next, the next couple weeks, because, you know, when, you, when you're not here, you miss a lot. And when you're not here, I know you can tune in online and all that, but when you're not physically here, you miss a lot. And so if you miss something in the next few weeks, uh, it might take you a little bit to get caught up. So I encourage you to be here for every, every Sunday in this series. Uh, and I know um, that some of you, you're every other Sunday people, so I see different crowds every, and I get all that. But don't, try not to miss these next four for sure, and, and you're going to miss a lot if you're not here. And in the next four weeks, I'm going to show you four different uh, accounts in the Gospels about people who actually deserve something bad, uh, but because of the goodness and the grace of Jesus, they actually didn't get what they deserved. Um, in fact, next week, we're going to look at a very emotional story about a woman who was caught in adultery. And if you've ever felt ashamed of your sin, if you've ever been locked in some sort of like sexual sin or other types where you feel really dark inside, uh, we're going to see how Jesus didn't get, give her what she deserved in condemnation. He gave her mercy. It's a beautiful, powerful story. And then in week three, we're going to look at Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was what? A wee little man, right. But he was also a horrible sinner. Um, and, and if you grew up in church singing that little song, we're going to see that Jesus didn't give him rejection, which is what he deserved. Um, Jesus accepted him and even went to his home. And then in uh, weeks to come, we're going to see Peter. Peter, the apostle Peter, who just continues to fail, fail, fail. And then God, uh, Jesus restores him. He deserved to be counted out. But Jesus gives him uh, second and third and fourth chances. But today we're going to look at a story of someone who actually deserved death. But because of the grace of Jesus, he didn't give this man what he deserved. Jesus instead gave him life. And in order for us to really walk through this with a good kind of foundational understanding, 
I want to start with one big thought. And if you're a note taker this morning, I want to encourage you to write this down. If you're not much of a note taker, go ahead and write this down. We need to understand that in order for the good news to be really good news, we need to understand this. Write this down. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. We are all guilty of breaking God's laws. Every single one of us, every one of us, you and me, we're all guilty of breaking God's laws. For example, if I ever stole something in my life, ever, what would you call me? A thief, right. You would call me a thief. I stole, therefore I'm a, a thief. And how many of you have ever maybe stolen something? Would I be so bold? No, I wouldn't. But if I asked you to raise your hand, some of you would do that. And then some of you wouldn't, and that would also make you a liar right here in church. And so we really need this message today, okay? Some of us are thieves and liars right here in church on Sunday morning. Welcome to GSN, where we encourage and make you feel good about yourself by admitting that you've stolen and that you lied. You're a thief and a liar and probably a cheater too. So there you go. Good morning. In James chapter 2, it says this, For the person who keeps all of the laws... Except how many? It's up on the screen. All the people, for, for the person who keeps all the laws except for one, this person is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. Right? In other words, if you just lusted one time, if you cheated one time, or gossiped one time, lied, stole one time, if you did it just once, you're as guilty in the eyes of God as someone who broke all the laws. Stay with me this morning. It gets better. Romans 6 tells us the punishment for the wages of sin is, help me out, death, lovely. So in other words, if we understand this, because we have all sinned against God, we actually deserve death. The good news is that because of the grace of God, He doesn't give us what we deserve. Amen. If we trust Jesus as Savior, He does not give us what we deserve. And that's what I want to talk about today. Our main text is found in Luke chapter 23, right around verse 32. We're going to look at the second story this morning, the story of two thieves. The two thieves. We're going to see Jesus on the cross. In between these two thieves are criminals. Luke Chapter 23, when you have it, say amen. It says this, that two other men, both criminals, other versions call them thieves. They were bad people, we know that. Were also led out with him, Jesus, to be executed. And when they came to the place they called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. So before we read the next part of the story, um, I'll just talk about the crucifixion for a moment. And many of you are familiar with this, but I'll just remind you. Because Easter is right around the corner. You all know that, right? I mean, we're going to blink and it's going to be Easter. So let's get familiar with what the crucifixion was. To crucify someone, there, there, was, many, there was many ways to execute someone in the lifetime of Jesus. And, and crucifixion happened to be the most expensive way. And the reason it was the most expensive way is because it took four Roman guards, at least, and one centurion to pull this off. A lot of, a lot of staff members for the Roman government that they had to pay. A crucifixion would generally last several days, so your expense on the manpower was actually very high. 
And the reason Romans would crucify someone is not only because it was expensive, but it happened to me the most painful and publicly humiliating way to execute a person. Therefore, the Roman leaders reserved this for people they really just really wanted to hurt and make an example of and make a real statement, which tells you a lot about who Jesus was hanging next to. We don't know exactly what they did, but it was bad enough to spend the extra money to bring extra pain and extra humiliation to these two guys. The reason it was so painful and humiliating humiliating is they would actually strip the criminal down naked so they would hang there naked in front of everybody. The sun would beat down on them for days. They would literally get literally get baked in the sun that and they would go some of them would go mad. They would go insane. They would lose their senses, and in order to breathe, they'd have to push themselves up. And you've heard this account, I'm sure, if you've been in church a minute. Until they were finally so exhausted that they they couldn't even pick their bodies up and that they would just suffocate. The birds would would literally come and start to to pick at their bodies, and and, and as they would die, and everybody would come by and and laugh at them. And you can imagine just this horrible scene. So we don't know what these guys did, these criminals. We don't know what they did. But you know it was bad enough to spend the extra and humiliate them as they wanted to humili- humiliate Jesus. And here we see them in this horrible situation in verse 39. In verse 39 it says this, that one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, Jesus. Now, aren't you the Messiah? <laughs> we know he at least said these things. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. That's my criminal voice, by the way. It's, it's the best. Just work with me on that. Thanks. It sounds like a criminal, but now I need this. So we got this bad guy, this guy hanging on the on the one side, yelling these things to Jesus, and a guy on the other side pipes back at the first guy. Hey, don't you fear God? He said, since we're under the same sentence, don't you fear God? So he at least is trying to trying to figure this thing out, and with Jesus hanging between them, he says, "We were punished justly for what." we are getting what we deserve. In other words, we brought this on ourselves, but this man, referring to Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And what I'd like to do this morning is very humbly and gently suggest to you that every single one of us, spiritually speaking, finds ourselves in these situations, in the same sort of situation as these two thieves. If we just look at it from a spiritual perspective this morning, from a spiritual perspective, we're actually, in the eyes of God, similar to one of these two thieves. And what I want to do is look again at what they said in these moments and then summarize it so you can help determine if you're more like thief number one or you're more like thief number two. Looking at, look back at verse 39. He's hanging there, this guy, and he, he's hurling insults at Jesus. And he says, oh, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. I sound more like a pirate. But he says, you know, aren't you the one? Aren't you the Messiah? Don't you have the power? We don't know much about this guy, but we do know, for one, that he's arrogant. Right? He's an arrogant kind of guy, full of pride. He's entitled. He doesn't fear God. He's being like a regular, you know, he's like, hey, sort of like being a real smatty pants, you know, up there. No, nothing. It's as good as it gets this morning. If there's anything, that, though, that we know about this guy, is he's, he's sarcastic, he, he, he's, he's entitled, he's arrogant, saying, hey, aren't you the Messiah? Okay, if you're this Jesus Savior guy, why don't you save me too? 
quite honestly, there are some people that approach God in the same manner. They're like, all right, if there is a heaven and a hell, then I'll say your little prayer then. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll check the box on the card and I'll give it back and I'll come to the little class you have and, and, and okay, I'll, what do I need to do? Get baptized and do that whole thing? All right, I'll do that. And uh, whatever it is, I'll, uh, just as long as I get the stuff that Jesus has for me. As long as I get what I can from Jesus, I'll do what you need me to do. They have this mindset that, that they're entitled, you know. Okay, tell me what to do and I'll do it. That way I get what he has. Aren't you the Messiah? Okay, fine. If you're this Jesus guy, go ahead and save me too. What do I got to do? A couple things? All right, I'm going to do those. Great. Now I'm, I, want, I, want you, I want your stuff. I want what you have. In other words, I haven't really, I haven't really done anything wrong in my life. It's not fair, right? I, I don't like this whole fair thing. I don't like, I don't like this, uh, this idea of mercy and grace. You know, I haven't really done anything wrong. So what I would summarize, how I would summarize this guy, this thief hanging here, if you're taking notes, what I would say is that he's, he's unrepentant. Thief number one is unrepentant. Not sorry, not caring, just wants what Jesus can give him because, hey, come on, I, I, come on, save me and you, let's get off of this thing. Unrepentant. He's not owning any of his sinfulness. He's not owning that he's done anything wrong because we see the other guy said, hey, we're getting what we deserve. And he says, nah, man, I want, save yourself and me, let's go. He's critical. He doesn't fear God. He's unrepentant. The second criminal, though, he is equally guilty, has a different perspective. And we see this in verse 40. He says, but the other criminal rebuked him and the man hanging on the cross. And he said, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, don't you fear God? And sometimes I think Jesus would say that to people today. Don't you have any fear of God at all? Thief number two says, we're under the same sentence here. He owns his sin. We've done something wrong. In 41, if you look, it says that we're punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. In other words, we broke the law. We deserve this. But this guy, Jesus, he's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. So if we're going to summarize the second guy, yeah, he's guilty. No doubt about it. He's hanging there. He deserves it, but he's broken. He's humble. He recognizes that, you know, I have done something wrong. And even though he's not perfect in any way, he has some fear of God. Some fear. Something's going on in this guy. If you're going to ask me to summarize the second guy, I would say that thief number two is repentant. Thief number, thief number one, unrepentant. Thief, thief number two, repentant. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he needs some help. He knows he can't do anything for himself at this moment, and he's calling on Jesus. And I'll tell you why this is so, so, so important. We live in a world today that culture has, has significantly shifted. See, 20 years ago, people might have had no problem saying, yeah, you know, we've done some wrong things. Yeah, you know what? We, we have sinned, and probably pretty egregiously, some of us. And 20 years ago, or even 30 years people would say, you know what? Yeah, I, I get it. I, I get that. I've done some things that probably deserve uh, a punishment or judgment from God. Yes, I have. The problem is today, people get all upset. People get all, all ruffled up when you call them a sinner. Ah, don't call me a sinner. I'm not a bad person, right? I'm not a bad person. I haven't done anything that bad. Don't tell me that this is a sin or that's a sin. It's my choice. I'm not a bad person. 
I love people. I'm kind to everyone. I'm not a bad person. The problem is that we have the mindset we're comparing ourselves to other people and not to God himself. And you might, I know, you might be sitting next to someone this morning, I know, that is way worse than you. Way worse. Now, I'm not that bad of a person, but the person down on my row, they're bad. Just go ahead and tell your neighbor, neighbor, you make me feel good about myself. Don't, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Do that in church. The reality is, though, so often, it's like, don't tell me that I'm a bad person. Don't tell me that I've done something wrong. And I'll tell you why this is so important. Is that we have to recognize we've all broken God's laws, as we wrote down earlier. We have to start there, because until we recognize that we have sinned, that we recognize that that we need a Savior, the moment we recognize that we've fallen short of God's standards, it's at that moment that we become a candidate of grace. For grace. If you're unrepentant, arrogant, full of pride, so many people unfortunately are today, you're more like thief number one. Or if you recognize, you know what, I have messed up. I have done some things. I really do need God's forgiveness. Then you're more like thief number two. There's no measuring out good deeds and bad deeds. There's no, uh, there's no measuring, oh, I've done this and this good, but I've done this and this bad, so the good outweighs the bad, so I deserve to get into heaven. That's not what the Scripture says. In fact, I'd like to illustrate it with another quick video this morning. Next. File, please. Mm-hmm. Some lying, some stealing, and some acts of kindness here and there. I tried to live a good life. Well, let's see how good. <laughs> lot of bad things. Yes, I see. But I've done good things, too, you know, to offset the bad things. Like, one time, I cheated on a test, but then I cleaned up trash in the park. Mm-hmm. That should balance out, right? Let's find out. This way. That should have balanced out, right? <laughs> it should have balanced out. Next. Bio, please. Oh, yeah. I devoted my entire life to make this world a better place. I dug wells in Africa. I donated blood every month. And I ran an orphanage in India. I mean, I just wish I could have done more. Mm Mm-hmm. And is this your subscription? I only read the articles. I I only read the articles. I only read the articles. Next... My mom goes to church. Was baptized as a baby? Take American Express, right? Next. File, please. Whoa. 
Somebody's been busy. Well, let's get this over with. Sorry, um, I didn't know he was with you. Okay, step on the scale. Not you. Him. It's called Grace. Next. There's no way to measure what we've done. If we fall short or if we do good deeds, bad deeds, whatever it is, there's no way to measure. Uh, like in that guy's file, you don't get you don't get that chance to say oh look at all these good deeds i've done look at all these things that i haven't done at least i'm not as bad as so and so but if you come to him with all of your bad deeds like in that guy's big file and you're repentant and you say you know what i have sinned i've been i've been an idiot in my life sometimes i've messed up i'm dirty i'm vile i'm bad whatever however you want to phrase that uh, you say you know what <laughs> You give all of that to Jesus, and did you see at the end, he just sort of tossed it. Your sins are washed. There was one page in that file, child of God. He threw the other one out. Suddenly you become a candidate for his grace. And what's so amazing to me, and this, this really blows my mind, that Jesus himself is hanging on the cross next to these two guilty people. They were both equally guilty, right? They were both equally deserving of death. And yet both men heard and saw the same things during those fateful few hours. They both had the very same opportunity. They were both right there, suffering severely. They both needed a Savior. One missed it, and one didn't. And what keeps me up at night is knowing that the very same thing happens today. There's going to be two people, side by side, singing the same songs, hearing the same message, hearing about the goodness of God, and one person's going to be thief number one. Ah, stupid religious stuff. I'm not a bad person, and I don't need that stuff because I'm not a bad person. And right next to him is going to be a person and say, saying, you know what, I did mess up. I have messed up, and I do need grace. The good news is, the second one is going to call on Jesus and be transformed in a way that's impossible to describe with earthly words. They're going to be made new, forgiven, transformed, changed, healed. The second thief, he deserved death. He deserved it. But Jesus gave him life. He did not get what he deserved. And the reason I get so fired up about this is because it's my story. And it's a lot of your story as well. The way, the way that Jesus forgave him is so powerful. It illustrates the beauty of God's grace that if it doesn't draw you in or draw you to the love of God, I don't know what will. Let's continue on. Verse 42 says this. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The second thief, he rebuked the first one and he looks to Jesus 
And don't miss this, what he says here. If, if you're not listening to, to what this, this guy is saying, you're going to miss it. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was all he said. That was it. It wasn't like, like this. Oh, heavenly father, I beseech thee right now in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, that thy would grant thy forgiveness upon this unrepentant servant. No fancy prayer. No begging. Just remember me. That's it. Remember me, Jesus. Look what it says. He looks back over to this guy in one moment of repentance and looks at Jesus. And he says to him, he says, Jesus says this to him in 43. He says, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Like drop the mic right there. A couple of sentences. This guy's eternity has changed forever. This is the purest illustration of what I see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 that you'll find anywhere. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You might say, Pastor, what does that say? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turns out I have it right here on the screen. It says, for you are saved by grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That's the best news ever because you've, you've tried so hard for so long and could never get it right. And the harder you tried to be good and do the right thing, the more you would mess it up and the faster you would mess it up. You're saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. This is the scripture, folks. Me, me and my brother Dave were talking this morning. We read the Bible so many times, right? And we, we gloss over things. And then we read it again. And we're like, was that in there? That's in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2. This is not from yourselves. This is nothing you've done or didn't do. You are saved by grace and not by works. By the grace of God through believing that what Jesus did on the cross was enough for you. Not by works. You're not made right with God by being good enough. You're not made right with God by going to church. You're not made right with God by becoming a church member. You're not made right with God by giving enough money. You're not made right by helping little old ladies across the street. You're not made right by being a nice person. You're not made right by getting rid of bad stuff. You're not made right with if you stop saying bad words on the golf course. Probably can't do that without the help of God. But you're not made right by being a good religious person. You're made right by, with God by grace through faith. By grace through faith. It's not complicated. This man said, hey. One sentence. And Jesus said, all right. Today. And remember, this, this guy on the cross, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't do any good works. His hands were bound to the cross. He couldn't go to church because he couldn't get down. He couldn't even turn over a new leaf and do better because he was dying. This was it for him. All he could do was trust in the grace of Jesus. And suddenly that brings all of the other scriptures to life. Uh, Psalm 103 says this in verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Why? Because as high are the heavens, as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Guys, this is good news. 
I say in the beginning of almost every service, don't leave here the same as you came in. And I don't know why you're sitting there so quiet this morning, because sometimes I just got to praise him. I got to praise him that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, that he didn't treat me as my sins deserved. Because I deserve death. But because of Jesus, he gave me life. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities, what we've done wrong. He separated my sins as far as the east is from the west, and he doesn't hold them against me. The news we can't miss is we don't have eternal life because we are good. We have eternal life because God is good. And that's the heart of the gospel. We are not good. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We only have it because He is good. God is good all the time. God is good. As we sang this morning in reckless love that song, I can't earn it and I don't deserve it. God is so good. Let me tell you how good He is. He loves you so much. There's nothing you can do today to make Him love you more, and there's no sin that you can commit that will make Him love you less. Did you get that this morning? Some of you might not have been raised in that in that truth. There's nothing you can do this morning to make Him love you more, and there's no sin that you can commit that will make Him love you less because He just loves you. God loves you. Not because that's what he does. That's actually who he is. He is love. And because he loves you so much that he sent Jesus, the Bible says, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but Jesus humbled himself, became nothing in the form of a servant, being obedient even to the death on a cross. Imagine our Savior, God in the flesh on the cross. Jesus should have been sitting on the throne. He was hanging on a cross. He should have had a crown of gold. He had a crown of thorns. When he should have been surrounded by servants, he was surrounded by thieves. When he was innocent, he gave his life for us who were guilty. While we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Therefore, God does not hold our sins against us. And then Jesus, taking on the sin of the world, even more personal, taking on my sin and your sin. You talk about love on Valentine's Day? Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, it is finished. I have done what you sent me to do. And then he said, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last and the earth shook, the sky grew dark, and the centurion even said, surely this man was the son of God. When everyone else thought it was over, heaven knew it was just getting started. Because three days later, as you know, when the women went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away and it was empty. Why? Christ wasn't there. He was risen from the dead. And then that was act one, defeated death, hell and the grave. So we have to recognize that we don't, we don't have the potential of eternal, eternal life because we are good. We have the potential of eternal life because he is good. We have all sinned and we deserve death. We determined that early on. One of the slides from Romans, right? We have all sinned and and deserve death. Here's the other part of that. For the wages of sin is death. But that sentence doesn't stop there. But the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I praise God in heaven that because of Jesus, He doesn't give me what I deserve. He doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. He doesn't judge me according to my own actions, but He sees the grace of Jesus on my life. And therefore, one more scripture I'll share with you before we go. In 1 Peter, I say, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You know that, right? The old is gone, and behold, everything becomes new, and everything, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He has given us a new birth, it says, into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's why we gather here, and that's why billions of other people around the world would say, we love God you did for us. We love you, God. You did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. The tomb is empty. Your son is risen. Therefore, we worship you. Gathered with some friends recently, and you know there are those there are those Christians and those preachers and those pastors who would get on a soapbox and pick on particular issues, and whether it be just pick your hot button. They would get up and they would stand on their soapbox and, and rail against this or rail against that. The most important issue, and I feel that it's my life's calling, is to get introduce people to the Savior and get them saved. It's not my job. It's not the politician's job. It's not to, to, to point out sins or point out wrongs and, and all that stuff. Our job is to get people to the Savior. And let him point them out. Let him point them out. Pick your hot button issue once again, and it could be a myriad of things I know. Pick your hot button. If the church does its job, if the church, the church meaning all of us, the people who are Christian, the Christ followers, if we do our job, all of those hot button issues, and I could list them, but I'm not they would take care of themselves. If we would show people the love of Christ and, and usher them into a relationship with Him, aren't you, aren't you convinced that God will be faithful enough to speak to individuals' hearts and convict them of all of their sin and all of their wrong deeds and all of that stuff? Aren't you, aren't you confident that God will reveal that if you lead people to Him? Don't rail on the issues and argue with people. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. And it's our job as Christians, and my job, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to present that gospel and then let the people respond. You're not responding to me. You're responding to God himself. And that's my challenge for you this morning. God didn't give you what you deserved. There's a guy, uh, Dave Ramsey always says, you say, how you doing? And Dave Ramsey's response is, some of you know it, better than I deserve. And it's kitschy and it's catchy and I get that and oh, makes people laugh. But that's the truth. Because I deserve death, hell, and the grave. 
That's what I deserve. But thanks be to God, he doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me eternal life and hope in him. Folks, this is the gospel. This is a simple gospel message this morning. Would you stand this morning? If you've heard any part of this message this morning and heard any part of the meat of it, God forbid you took notes. If you've heard any part of the message this morning, um, you've heard enough to be accountable before God. I don't know if it's going to look like what it looked like in the video. I doubt it. Just a comedic way to, to, to look at a very serious reality. If you've heard the message this morning, you've heard enough to be accountable for your life. You're not promised tomorrow. I don't care if you're two or 102, live a little while and you'll know that you're not promised tomorrow. And I don't care why you're here this morning. I don't care if if you wandered in off the street. I don't care if you decided this was your Sunday to come for the year. I don't know. I don't care if you were drugged here, pulled here, drove somebody here. I don't care what you did, but God orchestrated you to be here this morning. And you've heard enough this morning to be accountable for your life. I would encourage you to not leave here the same as you came in. It's a simple gospel message. God doesn't give you what you deserve. And this is your chance to make it right with him. This is your chance. Would you bow your heads? Recognizing the fact that no one's here by accident and if you've heard this message I know because I know my God the Holy Spirit has gone before anything that's come out of my mouth this morning and the Holy Spirit already prepares the way we're always the second witness the Holy Spirit has gone before preparing the way preparing your heart even where you stand this morning And if this scripture, this message resonated in your heart, it's not because of something I said. It's because the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. And if you're feeling like, yeah, man, I haven't measured up. I mean, if I look at my life, if I was to stand before God today, I would be condemned because, well, that's what I deserve. But in Jesus, you don't get what you deserve. If you accept him as savior, you don't get what you deserve. It's not about rituals and what you've done and what you haven't done. It's about believing in the one who can save you. That's all it's about. Simple gospel message. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, right before I pray, if you're here this morning, And you've heard this message, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. And you've never surrendered your life to Christ. This is your opportunity. God is providing you that opportunity this morning. Which thief are you like? 
Are you like the thief? The first guy who said, ah, I don't need that stuff. Or are you like the second thief? Yeah, this is the son of God. Will you forgive me? Will you, can I, will you take me to your kingdom today? Simple prayer. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I need to give you that opportunity this morning to leave here different than when you came in. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you would like to receive Christ and you've heard the message, if you'd like to receive this eternal life from Christ that we're speaking of, this relationship with him, knowing that you wouldn't measure up if you stood before him. But if you believe on Jesus this morning, that he is who he says he is, and that he went to the cross for your sins and mine and paid the price that you deserved. But he stepped in and paid that for you. Three days later, he was resurrected so we could have eternal life with him. If that's the message you want to receive this morning, don't leave here without doing it if you need to do it. Now's your opportunity. And I would ask you to respond. No one's going to look at you. No one's going to embarrass you. But you say, you know what? That's me this morning. And you just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Say, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. If I stood before God, I would be condemned. And I need to make it right. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. I stood where you stand. I know what it's like. Maybe you would say to me, Pastor, and thank you, those that responded. Maybe you would say to me, Pastor, I know God. I, I, I prayed a prayer once. I went through certain rituals and certain things in my, in my church upbringing. And Lord, I, and, and, and Pastor, I think, I'm, I think I'm in a good place with God right now, but it's been a while. It's been a while since I've committed, recommitted myself to him. I've been sort of doing my own thing, Pastor. And, and yeah, I knelt in a service and I prayed a prayer at one time. But I've been kind of doing my own thing ever since. Or it's been a long time. And today I'd like to make that decision, Pastor, to, to come back to God and put Him first in my life. If that's you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity as well. You might know God. You may have gone through certain things and certain rituals, but you don't really have him first in your life and you want to put him first. Again, if that's you this morning, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. 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 Father, you have seen the hands that have gone up for these two invitations. And God, would you be with those that need to begin that relationship? Would you be with those and help them to get a good understanding of what that means, Lord? And Father, would you also be with those who, who maybe haven't put you first in recent days and have decided this morning that they're going to draw a line in the sand and not be like those criminal, that criminal on the cross saying, ah, I'm, I'm good, ah, I'm, I'm okay, I, I need you, Jesus, is what they're saying. And I'm ready to put you first in my life. Father, would you be with them as well, that they have been so bold as to recognize in their life and raise a hand of faith saying, yeah, that's me, Pastor, pray for me. I lift them before your throne this morning, God, that they would be changed people, 
changed on the inside. And that, Lord, your spirit would well up in them and they would be able to read and hear and and absorb all the things you have for them. Put people in their lives, Lord, that can disciple them. They can come alongside and bring them along. We give you the praise, Lord. And before we say the last amen, I want to encourage you, if you were one of those folks that said, yeah, I'm ready, we have opportunities in this church for you to grow. We have a Wednesday night group that that helps us grow closer to God and closer as a family. We also do one-on-one discipleship where we'll have a mature Christian couple come alongside you and and have a one-on-one, what we call discipleship, bring you along and, and teach you the ways and the things of God. And if you need to hear more about that, you see me before you leave here. And we'll make sure you get connected to one of these groups that we have going on. We don't want you just to raise your hand in a service and walk out the door, and that's the end of that. So, Father, as we continue and as we, we, we wrap this service up, Lord, I thank you for those who have had the boldness, Lord. And if those are, are listening online or, or watching online, Lord, that they would respond as well that they would contact the church here and that, that we would be able to do the same thing for those folks. God, you don't leave us on an island. You, you've never created us for isolation, but we have a family that we can rely on that will help each other along. And Lord, we will walk together in your grace and in your mercy, showing those we love your love. Go with us, Lord, as we depart from this place. May we never depart from your presence. Lord, we seek to become more and more like Christ every day. We love you, Lord, and thank you for giving us what we don't deserve. Your love and your grace and your mercy. And it's in Jesus' powerful name we ask these things. Amen and amen. God bless you.